0: Just on the hill. Hello Detroit and the world. Welcome to another episode of Authentically Detroit Broadcasting from the Audio Wave Network Studios here on Detroit's Lower East Side powered by the East Side Community Network and sponsored by none other than the Ford Foundation. I'm Orlando Bailey. And I'm Donna Givens. Thank you for listening in and supporting our efforts to build a platform for authentic voices for real people on the East Side of Detroit. We want you to like and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on. Remember, we drop a new EP every other Tuesday, so we want you to stay tuned. Share, like, and subscribe. Share with your friends. Share with your family. What's up, Donna? How was your weekend? Oh, it was good. Hey, it was good. got a little rest. You rested. Yes. I'm so I'm so excited about that.
1: How was your weekend?
0: I don't remember it. <laughs> Wait. I, it, my weekend uh, was a blur. Actually, okay, Saturday is a blur. I could I hardly tell you what I did on Saturday. So, Oh, I, I could tell you what I did. My cousin started a church. He started a church, and it, he's uh, located in Birmingham, and he does Saturday services. He's not an Adventist or anything like that. He just has services on Saturday. So I went to his service, and I don't... Re- oh, and Noel Night. I went to Noel Night on Saturday... And Sunday, regular church, and I uh, came home and I relaxed. I got ready for today, tried to catch up, uh, catch myself up and get a jump start on the week. Um, And, you know, today we, of course, everybody, we record on Monday and I thought I had a jump start yesterday until today came, (laughs) until Monday came. Yeah, but it's all good. Good in the hood. You have fun this weekend?
1: You no, know, I um, went shopping with one of my daughters, and um, that was kind of fun—just spending mother-daughter time with an adult daughter. I don't do that often enough, and yeah. so that was cool. But yeah. you know, being mall stresses me out. So, and we went to three malls.
0: It's a lot of people.
1: We went to Oakland Mall, Somerset, and Great Lakes Crossing. Oh,
0: okay, y'all. Oh, y'all shopped.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: and th- in this time of years, especially crowded yeah, see, in those malls right
1: you gotta park you've got to get in there you've got to do what you need to do but it was all in all good yeah i feel like people experience.
0: are you know try to go out their, their way to be nice around this time of year i don't know yeah, if I, that's your experience
1: well you know um people are nice you know we had good customer service everywhere we went um and just spent some time just not really i didn't really buy much i was just more um you know helping the company, and, yeah Just, you know, tagging along. And then um, other than that, you know, chill. If you're anything
0: like me, you got to prepare to be social. Like, it takes an amount of preparation for me to go in public, go out in public.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I think, you know, both of us are in public a lot. A lot. And so for an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert,
0: whichever way that goes...
1: Whichever way that goes, you know, networking is exhausting for me at oh times. It's like, gosh. oh, my goodness, I've got to come up with small talk. And I'm terrible at small talk. Yeah. I, I'm i not witty in small talk. I just get stuck. <laughs> like, so what's going on? And I talk about some deep subject. And they look at me and they're like trying to get away. <laughs> like, don't, don't ask her. We got to hey. work on
0: that. You got to meet people better. <laughs> well,
1: you know, I meet people well. It's just that, you know, you're sitting here in these networking events. Yeah. And... You just, I don't like networking. I don't like small talk. I prefer interacting with people on a more laid back level where you don't have to make an impression in you know two minutes yeah um so if you meet people yeah you don't have to schmooze you don't have to be on you know i just let's let's just talk
0: and we got to be on like every day exactly so on the weekends it's like you you have to make a compelling case to get me to go out in public for real (laughs) i am serious i want my bed on the weekend (laughs) Oh man! All right, guys, it's time for fresh off the press. Hey,
1: before we get there, yeah, I up? want to respond to. We got an email, um, yeah. a request from one of our um our listeners and somebody who came to a meeting last night. And so I thought it would be a great idea for us to have some conversation. Um, a woman named Cheryl Pauling reached out. Shout out
0: to Cheryl Pauling. Shout Thanks out, for reaching out. Shout
1: out. I appreciate her reaching out, and she um, expressed a little concern. That um, that when we talk about marijuana, we talk about it in terms of she thought maybe being victims where the there was a disproportionate level of um, white um, owners of marijuana shops and Mm. and versus black. And just the way that, you know, mass incarceration was attached to black Mm -hmm. sellers of marijuana. That's right but not these white dealers. And she says, well, why are we looking at it like that? Why don't we look at ways for our community to invest Mm. in marijuana and actually make money off of marijuana? What is the investment potential? And I was like, wow, hadn't thought about that. But as with anything, I don't know if marijuana is publicly traded. I don't know if it can be publicly traded since it's, um, I
0: don't think it is yet. Yeah.
1: I don't think it can be because it's illegal, but I thought it might be a good idea for us to talk about investment in general investment products at work and we've got a couple friends gail perry Mesa can certainly come in here and light up the room and um, her friend um, kathleen cullen can come in and talk about um, her work she's more i think focused on municipal finance. They're both Eastsiders. Mm-hmm. Um, one is a member of our board and one is a member of our advisory board. Yeah. And so let's get them in here and talk about income producing opportunities for those of us on the East side. Yeah.
0: Thank you for the question, Cheryl. I think we sort of had a similar uh, conversation a few weeks ago, Donna, about mm-hmm. uh, city council wanting to hold off on the vote for making uh recreational use legal here in the city right. uh, citing uh, making sure that there are equitable business investment opportunities for Detroiters, specifically Detroiters of color. So I think right. it's a good. I,
1: yeah. You know, I think people criticize them, but I would rather that our city council take their time and get it right. Yeah. There's almost this expectation that you get to buy weed in Detroit. Mm-hmm. You may not be able to buy it in Gross Point or in Royal Oak, but Detroit must sell it. And um, I think that's a huge burden placed on Detroiters without really thinking through the impacts, the social impacts of marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know it, it's a big issue when you talk about people transitioning from a street dealer to a dispensary to a owner. Yeah, and there's a couple of other industries. And what's the cost
0: of going legit? Is it uh, is it prohibitive?
1: Well, it, yes, and right now it is, mm-hmm. unless you are a major. You know, dealer, you can't. But there are a couple other um, businesses that we don't really think about. One of them is transporting marijuana. Mm -hmm. Um, Transport is regulated, and you have to be licensed to do that and bond it. And the other thing is, um, you know, transporting it from the um, growers to the dispensary. And the other one is testing it. And there are no testing facilities inside of the city of Detroit. So
0: all of these related industries that we don't even think about. Yeah.
1: Right. And one of the benefits or one of the things that people cite when you talk about legalizing or decriminalizing marijuana, whichever it is, is that you're able to have quality controls because, you know, how many of us know people, I don't know if this is true in your age group, but I know a few people who smoked a tainted joint and it, really killed them uh, or just made them crazy you know
0: I think it's probably happening more now than it was before because I know a few cases where folks aren't the same one of the other things though it's interesting that you bring this up because uh, financial institutions are also grappling with opportunities to make sure that these business owners are banked. And there are regulatory hurdles that financial institutions will also have to go through to uh, provide this service for legitimate business owners. One is like you need like a whole separate vault with ventilation because this business is a cash heavy business. You bring in cash that reeks of, you know, the reefer
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, well you
0: gotta make sure you maybe, have, you know, special interest. Have, yeah. Or
1: we could just have a shop where all we do is clean wheat <laughs> <laughs> Keep a couple, clean a couple. For, for but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the other thing about banks is that yeah. because again, it's federally illegal, mm-hmm. it's right now legislation has to change that it will allow um dispensaries mm-hmm. to open up bank accounts traditional bank accounts so you can store them in a vault but you cannot open up a bank account which then leads to all of this cash that has to be laundered somehow so there's almost this um, criminal Mm tie-in because you're forcing people to work under the table yeah
0: well i've read a story though and we're not even in fresh off the press yet but i read a story the other week about a certain credit union and i think the credit union is in uh it's either in sterling heights or Mm -hmm. ann arbor that uh announce uh marijuana banking um
1: that sounds like ann arbor <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like ann arbor yeah. isn't that the first place Recreational. Something, yeah, so. something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Go yeah. to U of M. Go to U You, <laughs> you can buy it. Oh,
0: you go to but all it, the college campuses. But it's,
1: I, I read somewhere it's expensive, so it's like designer weed, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they say, hey, can I get that Louis Vuitton? <laughs> you got some
1: of that Gucci. <laughs> but the other thing about that, before we leave this topic, is <laughs> if we can't put it in banks, if we can't put it inside of banks then it's hard to collect taxes off of it because now you are depending on the honesty of people who are having uh, under-the-table sales. Mm -hmm. In places like Nevada, the anticipated tax revenue was much lower than I mean, the actual tax revenue was much lower than anticipated because it was still treated like an underground operation.
0: And we have projections here in Michigan and we don't know if it's going to, you know.
1: We're going to fix the roads, the schools, air quality. We're going to (laughs) fix Detroit with marijuana money and we have not even opened up one dispensary in the (laughs) state and nobody's seen what that financial performance is. And You know, nobody pays taxes because they want to. People pay taxes. Well, people pay taxes because they have to. Talk about it. And so if you have a business that cannot manages um work that does not accept credit card sales i mean you know you go to these businesses whenever i go to a business and they say cash only i'm just assuming they don't want to pay taxes okay (laughs) i'll be honest with you it's too easy to get a square it's too easy to They're all illegal
0: Talk about get a square
1: well i mean we use squares
0: oh i'm thinking you i'm tired i'm thinking you're talking about the cigarette oh
1: no, no that's that's right i am cool like that i knew oh, that they were across man. squares oh gosh. no i didn't but My it's bad. too easy to get it's too easy to get um a, a, yeah, a device, a to, device pay to pay for yeah it, it's just too easy so when people are only accepting cash to what extent do they need to conceal some of their income because mm-hmm. it allows them to um you know pay yep. fewer taxes mm-hmm. and so i cannot imagine that you know these shops are going to pay as much as they could if they allow were allowed to accept most yeah. transactions. Because, do you carry cash? How much cash do you have on you? I
0: actually carry cash now, but I I normally don't. I try to keep at least fifty dollars in cash on me now.
1: You're very honorable.
0: Well, I you know it took I got a lashing by my dad one day about you know a man should always have cash on him. You never know what could happen. You no, know, and it's
1: going to sound wrong. Yeah, this is going to sound terribly wrong. But you know, when I see homeless people or poor people by the side of the road, I'd like to give them money. But I never have cash, so I almost want to supply them with Squares, <laughs> so I can just a swipe bet. and k- swipe a dollar. You it's been a be it's, it's,
0: it's been a long day for both of us. <laughs> Please excuse whatever
1: is said today. <laughs> Just saying, it's got to be hard. This cash economy has got to be hard on people who stand on the corner and look for change. And you know
0: what? I think the cash economy, I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back. (laughs) The cash economy is also hard on these dispensaries and legalized marijuana, you know, uh, businesses because it presents a very present danger and threat to their safety when people know that they keep cash the way that they do. So... Yeah, ah,
1: that's the other side of it. Yes. <laughs> I might not pay my taxes, but at least I won't be killed for my right. cash. OK, good right. point. There we go. So um, because I know some businesses don't allow cash sales true. because have you heard of these new businesses that they accept no cash? Yes. It's all credit cards. and Those are in the new Detroit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw an article in Cranes uh, with uh, Dennis Archer Jr., cranes citing dennis archer jr sort of as a bridge between new and old detroit it was very interesting it's mm-hmm. very interesting we have to see if we can get dennis archer jr here on well, the that show that would be great yeah All yeah right.
1: so let's fresh off the press um that's me i think
0: yes yeah, on you the
1: poverty tax exemption deadline for 2019 is happening right now and quite frankly it's Literally. happening at east side community <laughs> network our Literally. parking lot is full of and and our um atrium is filled with people and has been all day who are trying to meet that last minute deadline so i'll start by saying i am so grateful that we can be a resource of people who need their property tax exempted the second thing is the attitudes and the willing nature of our staff they didn't complain they just went right to work and decided to serve them with no warning did not understanding that people would be directed to our premises
0: yeah Um, i and and you know what donna i want to take the time to call out their names i think it's only like four or five of them thank you to savannah brewer uh angela wilson uh jay green michaela uh jesse uh, Jesse Blount, uh, Jackie Richmond came over from oh, yeah. JEI to help today. Sam Woods from Quicken Loans. Bradley and Keisha from Councilman Spivey's office offered some helping hands today, as well as uh, Durfee sent a couple of folks over to assist. Thank you all for what you are providing. You're providing an invaluable service to our residents. And it's literally still happening. So, guys, we record every every other Monday night at 6 o'clock. Our workshop is supposed to be over at 6 o'clock. We are 15, 16 minutes into recording. It's 642 on a Monday night. And our atrium is still full. And our staff is not complaining about trying to go home. They are there mm-hmm. to the end. No. So,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's when, when you have a great team, yeah. that's what teams do. And I think that we have an understanding that we are there to serve the community yeah. and that every house lost, every, um, every um, foreclosure is yeah. a tragedy. Yeah. And so um, I'm glad that so many people know that they can have their um, property taxes exempted yeah. and that they took it seriously this year. And I'm hoping that we will double, triple the number of people who get on the exemption program Um, And, you know, but people, from what I understand, talking to some of the staff, a lot of people um, really don't understand how property taxes work. Yeah. And because they don't understand how property taxes work, they don't understand that an exemption that they file right now is for next year. Or for this year, for this year, but for then 2019. they have to apply have to again for next year for 2020 because they get their bills so late. Yeah, they're thinking that they're paying 2020 taxes when in fact the 2020 taxes will be in July, and yeah. so it seems as though um, we need to do a lot more education, just explaining how do taxes work we and do. how do you pay them. Down. Um, one of the interesting things I learned today is also that there is a way for people to pay on increments on a payment plan for your tax. Pay as you go. Oh well,
0: is that the new program that Duggan and uh, Sabri announced, or
1: pay as you stay? Pay as
0: you stay. Yeah, that's right. what Now there called, may
1: yeah. be pay as you go, but I know I don't know that that's yeah. the net. It's pay America. as you stay. Okay, You're right. pay as you stay is will require legislation from mm. the state, right? But the pay as but but this in the past people had to make lump sum payments. Yes. And if your property taxes were $1,500, you had to provide $1,500. Yep. Now, um, you know, there are many we don't people pay who don't like have that. a loose fifteen hundred dollars just right. sitting around. Oh, it's time for me to dip into my savings account and pay <laughs> Let this me pay bill. This Two
0: thousand dollar bill. And Nobody when people thinks like struggle
1: that. financially, and you're always balancing DTE this month with cable next month, with food, with clothing, you know September is really challenging because you got to get school clothes and school supplies. People's lives are sometimes live paycheck to paycheck, as you pointed out. Mm -hmm. And so if you can add a little bit to each month's bill, that's so much better than having people paying these lump sums. And so apparently there are kiosks in um, some stores and there's an app that you can download and make payments. Yeah. Um, But, you know, what I'm hoping for is in 2020, we all work a little bit more proactively to educate our community, help them take it seriously so that they are not waiting until the last minute. Because you know what? It requires a lot of information, a A lot lot of of documentation.
0: People have had to go home and come back. And, you know, this, guys, this is such serious and important work. Uh, I had to break a woman's heart today in the atrium because... For some reason, I don't know how she thought that she would be able to get a retroactive exemption Mm -hmm. from years past. And the Michigan laws does not allow for that. And so just, you know, I mean, people, people, people need help. People are struggling. We have to educate. We have to do uh, our I think our media Channel 7 ran. Um, a story yesterday and today about, you know, the deadline is December 9th. The deadline is December 9th. And, you know, thank you, Channel 7, for running that story. But I think we need sustainable media partnerships where, where people are watching, where people are listening so that people are... You know, fully aware of the options that are available to them, and we as community development organizations as well do our part and reach out, and we have been. uh, But of course, we can always do uh, so much more. But you know, how
1: do people get their news?
0: Yeah, people get their news digitally a lot now. Facebook, if we can go to Facebook or Twitter. Twitter. I know I'm a Twitter junkie. Uh, but I'm young, but I know a lot of folks still watch the news, and so a, a lot do. A lot of a lot, a lot of lot mediums, don't. yeah. A
1: lot don't. Um, a lot of them listen to urban radio, but they don't listen to WWJ. Yeah. And so I think that we can also do a better job. And we'll be talking about this in a little while, um, but I think we can do a better job finding out how to reach people and reaching people where they are. Um, and not just expecting it, when you look at how the Russians decided they were going to impact the elections in 2016, mm-hmm. they used social media to influence the thinking of black people. And it helped change the behavior of black voters because they introduced some inflammatory information about Hillary Clinton, some much of which was inaccurate, mm-hmm. or if not inaccurate, distorted. And they did it with the sole intent of suppressing voter turnout. Yep. They didn't try to get black people to vote for Trump. That was a hill too far to climb. (laughs) But if I can just get you to sit at home.
0: Stay home. Stay home.
1: Then that's what they did. And so if they can leverage social media to change attitudes and behavior, let's do the same thing. I agree. And you know what they didn't do? They didn't post articles. They had Mm -hmm. memes. They had sometimes the headline is all somebody's going to read. And so I think that you have to look at the kinds of things that get a whole lot of traction on social media. And it's never going to be the 2000 word article that that's explains right. the whole thing that's right <laughs> so <laughs> infographics and you know other kinds of things that we can invest in mm-hmm. because next year we have another set of information we need to get out and we can probably pair it together yeah what's happening next year the census that's right. and we in are, the
0: election so much is happening. all right the but the Good two God.
1: things that we can we, we unfortunately or fortunately we cannot <laughs> um weigh in on an election as a nonprofit. That's right. Although we can we encourage, can encourage voting yep. and we will once again, encourage people to vote. We're going to get out there early enough and encouraging mm-hmm. people to have their voices heard. We're
0: going to figure out how to get y'all to the polls. That's
1: right. Um, last year we had um, last cider election. last yeah. election. We had cider and donuts. And if you came in with an, I, I vote sticker, you got to partake in a party like atmosphere, but we need to start that earlier and be more clear about why it's so important that people vote Absolutely. In, at every level of government. Absolutely. Um, so um, anyway, so as relates to the property tax exemptions, I think the other thing we want to do is to try to encourage not just the pay-as-you-stay, which reduces people's taxes dramatically and allows them to pay their taxes over time, but also retroactive exemptions. Yeah. If I cannot afford... My taxes, affording my taxes plus the extra money that I get, to, I have to pay to get to stay, pretty much ensures that I'm going to default. That's right. There was a study that was just released last week that in, in, dem- the, Detroit in the Detroit News that demonstrated how many people were actually um, defaulted from their um, payment plans, and it was much greater than. I think the treasurer's office and the mayor's office expected, but those of us in the community we pretty it. much knew what was going we to happen. We understood what was going on with people's finances. What um, seems like a little bit of money—oh, it's only you know sixty dollars a month more—but for somebody who already has to pay two hundred, adding sixty dollars to that, when you also pay the car insurance rates, when you also have DTE breathing down your back.
0: Incidentals so with your kids like there's there's so much going on and I want to remind folks that there are people behind these numbers. I think we I think it, this industry loves to quote stats because it makes us seem eloquent and knowledgeable and we are armed with the information and we can quote you the data. But I don't wanna I don't want us to become so flippant about it that we forget that there are I saw people in our office today. Absolutely. People who are worried, people who are brokenhearted, people who are worried about their legacies and wealth. I mean, we have to and we have to center humans. How in many this.
1: exactly because in how many households do you have a mother, children, sometimes a father, sometimes a father, sometimes a mother, a grandmother? grandchildren, Mm -hmm. cousins, aunts living in one home. We have an affordable housing crisis, so one home does not necessarily represent one family. That's right. And you might be able to find a place for you to stay, but who's going to take all of these additional family members in, especially those who are maybe less... um, Easy to live with for whatever reason, because you know some of us mm-hmm. have skeletons. Some of us and, we got challenges. And some, of us are, some of us are just difficult. I yeah. maybe I'm difficult. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. And so when you look at the real impact of, it, and then that's like from the human side. But here's the other human side: mm-hmm. you and I are next door neighbors. Yeah. And if you had your home foreclosed on, and I'm living next door to you, mm-hmm. and we're friends, and we borrow sugar and butter and whatever, <laughs> and we watch out on the street. And then you, your house is foreclosed on, the likelihood that somebody like you is going to move in and take over that house is pretty low. Very low. What usually happens is either sit. it sits vacant or a slumlord, Michael Kelly, purchases it, uh, doesn't fix it up, moves somebody in, doesn't fix it up. And now I've got a problematic landlord or property owner next to me who does not take care of the property because he doesn't care. Uh-huh and moves people in and out in cycles and moves maybe some people who are less desirable or if it's vacant you have um, squatting that may take place huh. in there crimes coming in there yeah. so now here I am living next to you after a while
0: I'm ready to go I'm ready
1: to go that's right and I'm the block club leader right preach Yeah. I had to make myself the leader and you the person <laughs> <blessed from Sioux laughs> Orlando. that's the way my imagination works <laughs> it could she's still put, in charge it even easily next could door. be the other <laughs> <laughs> so okay but i move out i'm the black club leader right the and black club leader. The, the, that too black and black 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 club leader so i'm gone now the community organization starts faltering yeah. because nobody's there to step in and my house is now i might walk away Rent it out or just leave. And mm-hmm. you had some people who walked away. I may not pay my property tax bill because why am I paying taxes? And I'm living in this area. Mm-hmm. And so you can see these time lapse photos mm-hmm. that will show a whole neighborhood one by one. She houses begin to Alsa, disappear. Who did that, yep. Yes, Alex ups who actually also helped out today. Yeah. And bought pizza. Yeah. But um and has been a strong advocate on behalf of um foreclosure prevention. But you know when you have that then you can see the reciprocal effects are so great that even as Detroit is growing in some places maybe not as fast as people thought it would
0: because mm-hmm.
1: there are Cause a lot gotta of vacancies make, you
0: got to make them numbers work chief <laughs> <I> was,
1: <laughs>
0: we got to talk about that uh, we got to talk about all these uh, announcements that we love to make in the city of Detroit and then the things that go away yeah. Because we can't make the numbers yeah. work and, and construction costs and things. But, you know, well, I ain't talking about nobody.
1: Well, you know, the construction about... costs go up and they, people talk about a labor shortage. And I think mm-hmm. it's so ironic. We talk about these labor shortages. Mm-hmm. Who used to do housing construction who's no longer allowed to live in our community? Mm-hmm. How about some of these people? Your president is deporting, mm-hmm. caging.
0: Ice came and got them.
1: Ice came and got them. So nobody else was really trained to do these things you know, I'm... and or wants to take these jobs that don't pay them a fair wage. And so now we have a system where housing is too expensive to build and we are not using subsidy to to bring yeah. the cost down far enough. So even if housing wasn't expensive to build, look at all the new units that have been scattered all through the city. Mm-hmm. Are the, are those units full? What is the vacancy rate in new apartments?
0: I um, don't, you know it. I don't know, but I know, it's, I know a lot of them vacant.
1: You know, when you walk down mm-hmm. spot, past some of them, you know, the, near the DeQuinter Cut, I won't uh, say name.
0: <laughs> I know. You going to appreciate that? Because I'll get the offering bucket ready. You ready? To-
1: <laughs> All right. In All right. News. Fresh
0: off the press. Uh, Detroit inspires the world. Detroit-based Distinct Life Partners with Puma to release a new sneaker. SoulCollector.com is reporting this story. Yo, so this weekend at the Big Foot Locker on 8 Mile uh, in Kelly, Uh, was Inspire Day, and it it featured Detroit-based Distinct Life uh, owned by Rick and Yolanda Williams here in the city of Detroit. And they revealed uh, their new sneaker that they partnered with puma on and it's different i think it's two variations of orange in the shoe two different shoes uh but they they look similar and uh, on the shoe it has detroit inspires the world and i gotta give kudos to our friend simone lightfoot who said to us on juneteenth of 2019 that detroit is big mama everybody looking to detroit uh to see what what they can model after what, what are we doing how are we innovating how are we inspiring and it's it's such a dope partnership two amazing uh black folk at Distinct Life have this great partnership with Puma and they released the sneaker the sneakers of course have sold out of course Uh, But they will be available at various footlockers around the metropolitan area. And I thought it was great news. And Inspired Day not only uh, featured um, a distinct life, uh, Rick and Yolanda Williams, but other uh, Detroiters like Phil Simpson from the Smile brand and uh, Tony Hooligan from the Hooligan. And a lot of our uh, Detroit uh creators were featured. Uh, Big Sean was there. Um Angela Yee from the bref- brek- breakfast club was there. I'm not gonna say breakfast.
1: The <laughs> Breakfast Club was
0: there. <laughs> Sometimes that E side be wanted to come out man, <laughs> was there. Uh, it was it it looked like it was a great time. But once again, you know, uh we want to, you know, spread spread that news. Go to footlocker.com and cop you a pair. Today, Detroit does inspire the world, Donna.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, in so many, and when you say Detroit, it's not all of Detroit. No offense, but it's a certain type of Detroit. It is. um, What did Eric Thomas write about? It is Black Detroit. Yeah, it is Black Detroit. I'm not saying other Detroiters don't matter and are not are not inspirational. We're not saying that. But there is a certain type of culture among Black Detroiters. A certain level of style. A certain level of of independence and ownership that a you find a kind
0: of rhythm we got rhythm you know and what I'm cool
1: saying. yeah and people can box it and try to much imitate it. We have two music um, um, two music waves that travel the globe. That's Motown right. and house.
0: Do you know I was in Germany? I can go anywhere in Germany or anywhere in Europe without hearing Detroit. In restaurants and bars, mm-hmm. Detroit gets played all over the world. Yep. It's amazing.
1: Yep. So, um yeah. Um so, that's that's really cool. Are you going to get the Puma Pumas?
0: Yes. You know it. I'll be rocking them in the office. You'll see me with them. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 already know. Yeah. You already know. Dot fresh off the press.
1: Well, fresh off the press. I'm trying to find the article that I really wanted to talk about, but I will um Find the one or use the one that you shared. Um, Orlando always researches these articles and he does a great job. But what I really wanted to talk about was the attorney general for the state of Michigan saying that the um, that President Wilson was not fired legally, that if you're going to fire him, you have to call a meeting, a
0: public, meeting, a public meeting. Yeah.
1: And um, that was not done. And so, um, you know, then there were board members there who said that they would never recognize him as president so the um, the next thing that happened on the same day um, they also rejected, now when I say they rejected that means that four people on the board rejected a code of conduct mm-hmm. now first of all I want to understand how you have a board with eight people because in the nonprofit right. world, that would never happen. That would never work. Quit. Okay, <laughs> you know you need an odd number. That's right. So this needs to be changed. I don't know if it's the Michigan Constitution or what. We need nine-member boards, odd numbers, so that you don't have this kind of standoff. Um, but in addition to that, um, it was one of the remedial actions recommended by an independent attorney hired by w. Wayne State to investigate claims that some of the elected board members have violated norms of the school's accrediting body, the Higher Learning Commission.
0: Mm, Who's reporting that?
1: This is Cranes Detroit Business. This one story Mm -hmm. is in Cranes Detroit Business. And um, so a code of conduct, the Higher Learning Commission wanted them to adopt a board, a code of ethics. All universities are encouraged to do Mm -hmm. that. But we have a university where four people have decided not only That they don't want to be held accountable to ethical standards, but also that they don't want to be held accountable to the job that they were elected to perform. And that is working with the university president to run the university. That's right. You don't get to decide, I'm not going to recognize a president because you don't like him. You can decide. It seems very personal. It feels very personal. And the students at Wayne State are really saying, will you focus on our issues and not fighting? So I want to shout out to Kim Trent, because I know this a lot, who is the, um, what is it, the the governor for Mm -hmm. the Board of Trustees? Well, she's the head. And so she carries a lot of this weight on her shoulders, um, having to try to make things work. You don't have to like Kim. I love Kim, but you don't have to like her. What you have to do is work with her because that's what you were elected to do. It's dysfunctional and it's unhealthy and it's damaging to the reputation of a university whose reputation is otherwise becoming wonderful. They, um, re- President Wilson gets honors every day. The university is winning all kinds of honors. He's that they in, the community. in the community. He came
0: to our extravaganza. He, he showed did. up. Um, and um, the, the, you know, so many good things are being overshadowed. And I, the Wayne State uh, master planning uh, process um, has culminated in something that I think is great. I was asked to take part in that, and they were very intentional about making sure that uh, the entire Detroit community uh, was included in the master planning process for Wayne State, as well as this tuition announcement. So many good things are happening, and it's a shame that these grown people uh, can't get it together this was uh a code of ethics uh was recommended by an independent attorney, and they rejected it and the higher learning
1: commission yeah so um here's the thing governor the governor has the ability to remove yes trustees if they are not performing their jobs. I think they should what's the
0: speaking, caveat to that well there's there's something in the in the statute that has to like.
1: Yeah, it reads kind of like the impeachment proceedings. If there is misconduct, gross misconduct, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I have to believe that, you know, saying and just going on record saying I'm never going to treat this person who is the university president as if they are the president. Refusing to adopt a code of conduct, which is um, what any um, body should do when they have been cited for unethical behavior. Um, is just egregious. So I um, hope the governor exercises her option. I'm going to be really honest and say that I hope she does because we um, Wayne State is so vital to Detroit and has been vital to Detroit for so long. Wayne State single-handedly helped build the black middle class and professional class in Detroit. I'm telling you my how mom many better master's degree from yeah. Wayne State. How many people got their bachelor's degrees from Wayne State? Yeah. Their first college that they could go to that was a college inside of the city. When you look at the number of black professionals here, mm-hmm. Wayne State educated more of them. And when I was young, Wayne State had more black students enrolled than any HBCU in the nation. Wow. And that's changed. I didn't know that. Yes, wow. Wayne State was um, educating the the masses in Detroit and was doing an excellent job of it and was committed to that. And so it's right in the heart of our city. Um, it's important that we get this right. And I just think that anybody who's not committed to getting this right and doing whatever is, is necessary to help the university thrive is in the way.
0: Yeah. Fresh off the press, Brandon Hunter of the Michigan Chronicle is starting at the Detroit Free Press at the beginning of 2020. I could not be more excited about this announcement. Uh, Brandon Hunter is a friend and fellow Eastside enthusiast and ambassador. Uh, he uh, just finished his stint at the Michigan Chronicle. I think he was there for a few years as their neighborhood reporter, and he's going on to the Detroit Free Press uh, in a neighborhood reporter position. So a larger audience will get to, uh, you know, read the kinds of stories that we loved reading um, from Brandon when he was at the Chronicle, and I think that is a good thing. Young, black, east male headed to the detroit free press with our friend kat stafford
1: young black east side female yeah it's uh, quite a pair right it is a great pair (laughs) and i i want to you know shout out to the free press (laughs) the editors of the free press um they invited eric thomas to write an editorial about black detroit and it was just preservation of black space preservation of black space And why it was important, I think it got a thousand shares within the first hour or something like that. Yeah, it was definitely um, it went viral. Yeah. Now, some of the crazy stuff that people said, Eric had to stop reading their Their Facebook comments comments because people said really crazy things. You got to be careful. But black people all over the nation responded with joy because we understand the importance of black space. That's right. We are all sometimes challenged by erasure. Mm -hmm. And by people thinking that there was no value in what we had. So when we bulldoze it or when we replace it or deconcentrate it or whatever the terms we use, um, what we're killing is spirit. What we're killing is a history and a soul. And, you know, in Detroit. Um, say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Ah, it was just a thing. Right? right. We said it. You know, Um, we that was such a big thing. You were so proud as a black Detroit. We had a black mayor, mm-hmm. black city council, black power was not something that was foreign to us. I'll take one tiny little exception of what Eric wrote when he said that because Detroit was so black, our teaching force was also so black because there are many black cities that do not have this level of um that don't have as many black teachers yeah that was a unique detroit thing that had everything to do with wayne state which graduated more teachers back at wayne right your mama so many people right my grandmother went to wayne state when she had when she was in her 40s and became a teacher but it was the pathway to so many teachers in the city of detroit and that's how they were able to you know populate the district with so many black teachers um, so, I mean, other than that, but Brandon Hunter is huge.
0: That's so huge. He is
1: huge, and it just makes so me excited. proud of the Detroit Free Press. Here's what I He's think. He's going to be
0: on the next episode.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Here's what I think. Yeah. I think, you know, when you talked about Puma and how people look to Detroit, and I said black people in Detroit. I think mm-hmm. the Free Press understands it's a competitive environment.
0: That's right.
1: Black people... Own Black Twitter, but we own Twitter. We
0: own Twitter. Okay, Twitter how much money do we thing, make, Popeyes? Popeyes right. did not have a single marketing strategy for that doggone chicken sandwich, That's huh?
1: Right. So I think that the Free Press understands that incorporating young Black voices will help it become more relevant across the city. More people will get their news from the free press when the stories resonate with people's lived experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just, it, it couldn't be more excited um, for the work that they're doing. I think it is about time that we had young black voices in the newsroom in Detroit yeah. in that way. Because Brandon, Kat,
0: Eric wrote. I mean, you, you might see something from me in the yeah, coming weeks. See, I mean, it's, see? Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, people don't know, or maybe you do know. Orlando's a journalist. Too.
0: <laughs> Everybody's a journalist. <laughs> yeah, but, no,
1: Orlando went to journalism school, <laughs> and is, that's why he does his co- podcast so well. He's professionally trained in this field, and I think that um, you know, I so I'm excited to have your voice incorporated as well. I just get really excited looking at young people because my free press, when I grew the one I grew up with, was really more conservative mm-hmm. in terms of hearing from black voices. You mm-hmm. didn't necessarily hear from um non traditional, you know, the the non establishment black voices. Yeah. And um now you're here.
0: And it's something that I game. think Yeah, I think it's something that young people can feel uh, sort of connected to because Cat and people like Cat, people like Brandon, people like Eric, they're not you know so far up in age where uh, they can't connect with the generation that's coming behind. I remember being in college and wanting to find um, a, a, a black male journalist in Detroit. That I can sort of like connect with and, you know, look up to. And, you know, I had to, you know, do that admiration and learning from afar. They were sort of, you know, unreachable, you right. know, at the time that I was in school. But you send Kat a message, she responds. Eric will respond, Brandon responds. And so I think this this is this new wave is is a good thing. It's a good wave. It is. And I yeah.
1: also wanna um hats off to Kim Trent, yeah. who has held down her columns always brings relevant information always always brings it home her last column just pointed out to quit telling black kids they don't need college that college is the fastest way into the middle class and it's the most reliable way into the middle class that you know um, you have all of these people saying that you can be a plumber and make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year but the reality is that's the fraction of plumbers is making that amount of money. The average pay for a plumber is much lower than that. Mm -hmm. So you may have a college graduate starting off earning the same wage as somebody who is in a trade, but their economic growth increases exponentially over time. And so it's not what happens right after you graduate. It's what your lifetime earnings are. That's a long game. In in 12 years, the gap is significant. Um, It's really personal to me because my parents came of age At a time where black people were told not to go to college, Mm. my father was told that he should study carpentry.
0: It's this age-old debate, like W. B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington were having this debate. Yeah.
1: So my dad ended up becoming a doctor and not becoming a carpenter. But that was a path that they told black men to follow that for so long. That was a so slight long. flex,
0: and I, I'm here for it. Well, I'm just saying,
1: you know. it's. But he was told, yeah. and people began internalizing these Absolutely. beliefs that I cannot. And that's what society told him. I don't want us to give... Messages to our young people, black young people, that they don't belong in college, that they're better off getting a trade because they're not college ready because their ACT scores or SAT scores Mm. don't measure up. That's just unfair, untrue. We have a lot of brilliant young people with bad SAT scores Mm -hmm. and they go to college and they do well. They may have to study a little harder. They may need to get a little tutoring because maybe they were not well prepared when they left high school. (laughs) But that does not speak to their ability to become prepared and to do well.
0: Yeah, it's so funny because it it also speaks to the culture of learning that we have just within the United States, especially in black communities. I remember one of our founding Vault team members, uh, TJ, he had this comment to say in a public community meeting about the learning culture at school. And he said, everything is straight lines. We walk in lines we sit at our desk in straight lines it's almost like an assembly line and he said my brain just doesn't work that way my brain doesn't work that way i'm more of a creative why can't we sit in a circle why why you know it's like they're preparing us for the factory or something that's exactly that's exactly what he said at at 16 years old i couldn't believe it evidencing
1: his brilliance and he's a brilliant young man just you know so inspirational But keep in mind that education theory would tell you that his brain doesn't work that way. Education theory would tell you that lining kids up, sitting them straight, rows, having them behave in a very militaristic way does not create the freedom to learn. Really what you're trying to do is trying to inspire the love of learning. What you're trying to do is inspire an understanding of things that people can personalize their knowledge. And so when you look at knowledge, the when learning, when you look at, um, what is it? Uh, repetition is not evidence of learning. Because when you can repeat something, have you ever studied right before a test? I don't. Yes. And you forget it. And yes. you forget it. Yes. Or but All, when, every you, time. when you have to create something with it. When mm-hmm. you have to analyze something mm-hmm. um that's when you that's when you retain that knowledge right, that's right. and that's the reason why hands on project based learning is so popular. All of us have within us creative potential. I don't believe that there are people who don't have creative potential. I believe it's killed in some people. I believe that is um encouraged in others so look at Montessori schools, mm-hmm. take a look at some of the classrooms in some of the suburban schools and how those students are learning Mm -hmm. in learning circles where they freely get up and do what they need to do during group activities and team-based learning um, processes. And you'll see that um, it's not TJ. Because the other thing people will say is that black brains don't work the same as white brains. Mm. Black is a social construct. We all, all have brains. We all have brains. Yeah. <laughs> and so the idea that the black brain cannot take in what a white brain can <sighs> is racist. Even when we're the ones saying it. Talk about it. All right.
0: That wraps up our fresh off the press segment. If you have any stories and news items that you would like us to cover, please hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at AuthenticallyDetroit, or you can send us an email at at com. Uh, topic for the day in our thematic discussion this week, and in the spirit of the Wayne State story, uh, we are we wanna have a conversation about uh meeting culture, um descent um here in the city of Detroit. And Donna, you asked a great question, and I really would love for us to explore this. Do we marginalize our voices when we disrupt in certain ways?
1: Yeah. yeah, I think that um, there are certain people who go in there, and I'll give an example of a person who I think marginalized his own voice, is mm. Cornel West. Mm. Cornel West had some brilliant political analysis of systems of racism and capitalism, and people really respected him. And then he decided he was upset at President Obama because he was not invited to the inauguration or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he started talking about his mother. He started talking about calling him names and just everything. Every time you talked about him, he displayed contempt for the person of Barack Obama. And when people saw that, they couldn't hear anything else. He became marginal to them. People don't look to Cornel West for his voice in the same way that they did um, when I was young. Remember Mm -hmm. when he had democracy matters and race matters and people thought this guy is great. And now when you think of him, you wonder, why did you work so hard to tear down a black man who was president? You didn't work that way to tear down Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. If you want to say that Barack Obama is neoliberal, okay, we might have that conversation. But was Bill Clinton less neoliberal? I think probably more. I I think, you know, when you look at his record and the things he supported, and yet he had grace when it came to President Clinton because he felt like he was in the private club. And so I see some of that now. I see name calling, just ridiculous name calling. Here we are, 40, 50 years old, calling people names in meetings and on social media. And it's like, what are we displaying?
0: I was called a black gentrifier on social media.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's
0: just like really, y'all. That's what we. That's this is what we resort and you, to.
1: And you've lived within, you know, four <laughs> miles of where you live right now. Right, your entire My life, whole life, except when you were in college, you left and went to Ipsy. Easter, yeah,
0: I- Ipsy. Yeah,
1: so Crazy. it's so ridiculous and so disconcerting that we can't just talk about issues, debate them, disagree, even vigorously disagree, without finding the need to. Um, to try to demean the yeah. people who, with whom we're disagreeing, and
0: that there there you have it there that's the fine line because I welcome dissent and I welcome disagreement, but when um, it gets it gets dirty when it gets political and when it becomes disrespectful, because disagreement isn't disrespectful, it's just a disagreement. Um, I think we contribute to the marginalization of our voices to the point where folks in power choose to go around you.
1: Yeah. They feel like they can. They call you crazy. Yep. Oh, that person is away. crazy. And other people agree. You know, and we've seen it with certain meetings that have taken place in the city over this past year. Yeah. Where the heat has out um performed the substance yeah, of whatever the those meetings are. We are we getting
0: to the meeting? And the issues so people in our city?
1: are people willing to go to meetings. Okay, I work Many hours, 12 hours a day, right? You two, because we had the same meeting this morning, 11, 12 hours in a day. People take care of their kids, go grocery shopping, deal with maybe a leaky ceiling, and a running toilet, toilet, a faulty furnace, bills they can't pay, (laughs) tax foreclosure that is imminent. And they go to a meeting and they look at people in the front of the room cussing each other out and calling each other names. And the people who are doing all the cussing say, well, I'm just representing you. Well, if you were representing me, you'd be solving my problems, and my problems are not your disagreement with the other person. That's what I say about Wayne State, but I see it in other public forums. The concerns I have should be front and center, and if I disagree with you, even if I don't like you, I should still find a principled way of disagreeing with yes, you. Yes, a
0: principle on the right, yeah.
1: issue, not the, um, not 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 who not, you are,
0: not who you are, not who you are, and. Uh... You know, I am for, you know, productivity and I we, we are community organizers here at heart. So we understand the need for dissent and disruption and agitation and things like that. But we also understand that um, in all of that, somebody uh, got to be able to go into the meeting and advocate and, you know, uh, organize around, you know, particular issues. Martin Luther King employed all of those principles, but was still able to get into the room to help get legislation passed. And so, I think we 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 got to be careful, and we got to figure out what the plan. I'm like, I'm asking myself, okay, what's the plan? Well,
1: like, and always, are we winning? I always say that if people protested if Martin Luther King protests like some people today, we would still be sitting on the (laughs) back of the bus. (laughs) We wouldn't be voting. We wouldn't be seeing lunch counters. (laughs) We had a
0: long day. (laughs) You know we would.
1: He would be up there calling people out their names. He would be cussing people out. Wouldn't talk to somebody because they're the enemy. He would be building no coalitions. He would be not appealing to somebody's conscience. He'd be calling them demons and whatever. (laughs) The reality is that if you really want to change anybody's behavior, if you really want to attract anybody to your cause you have to make your cause attractive and you have to make yourself attractive you want people to look at you and see the god inside of you see your strength see your vision yeah just having a boycott and the boycotts that he helped lead had specific actionable items that he was trying to achieve he was not saying i want to end racism by sitting at these bus counters he was saying I want to change the specific this policy, policy. That's it. Of bus. Come on, y'all. He did not say I want the owners of this restaurant to fund community <laughs> gardens in my neighborhood. He's saying I want to be able to sit next to the people who are here and be treated like a human being. It was an actionable, observable, and just request. When Rosa Parks helped organize the Montgomery bus boycott in which she became the centerpiece. Mm-hmm it was giving black people the right to public accommodations when people have something that's so clearly morally feasible and realistic people walk to work for months and did not use the bus other people gave them rides because they understood mm-hmm. that the what what the the benefits were yeah. and i think that we need that level of strategy yeah. we need that level and of mutual of intentionality
0: support. i think we've become addicted to the fight And I'm always asking, okay, you fighting, but have you have you won?
1: Well, how can you win a fight with no allies? There's people who call themselves community progressive leaders who won't talk to other people because they didn't like something they said one day. Mm -hmm. If you can't work with people you don't like. Yes. And you can't work with people who don't like you then you're not going to really lead anything because it is not a popularity contest. It is about the issues. And if you keep your eyes firmly toned to those issues and not be thin-skinned like the pumpkin who's who's occupying the White House, if you can be so focused (laughs) on these issues... Then you don't have to be thin-skinned. People can talk about you. He's says orange <laughs> <laughs> He You know, cover. because I want to say that, um, you know, we got that feedback <laughs> about our episode and about marijuana, yeah. and it was not, you know, it was not praise. She wasn't, Right? She was not cursing. I she wasn't cursing she, us out, but she, she didn't. Like, she didn't reach out to me to say great job. She reached out to me to say, wait, <laughs> I'm, I'm concerned that you didn't put, bring the right stuff in. It has me a little concerned. Mm-hmm. I could respond by saying, this is my show, don't, you know, whatever. (laughs) Or I could respond by really trying to hear what she was saying. Absolutely. And every time it's hard to do that because people like getting compliments. But if you're focused on how people perceive you and not the issue, then you're never really going to make change. And I think that it is, I would would love to see some standards of conduct for our community leaders so that we stop tearing each other to pieces. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of calling preachers pimps. I'm tired of calling, Mm. you know, um, nonprofits, pimps, or whatever people are saying about nonprofits to the stereotyping and dehumanization and negativity that we are exhibiting towards each other is harmful. Yep. And all of us are necessary.
0: Everybody got a lane.
1: Everybody got a lane. And everybody, all the lanes have to work together. Yeah because you know we sh- we should be moving in the same direction. If yeah. not, it's going to cause a lot of collisions and nobody will get anywhere. Yeah. So, um yeah, I think that um now what are some meetings that you think work well?
0: Well, you know, I think that having the the freedom to not just we re- require uh people to show up to a table that you set but, you know, be responsible for showing up to where people are. So my most productive meetings, especially when you had me out on the streets, was meeting people on their porches. Meeting people walking up and down the street, meeting the business owners as I walked up and down Mac Avenue. Uh, those were the most productive meetings because uh, people respond differently in uh, one-on-one interaction. I think sometimes the way that we meet um, as organizations um, can be very academic and offensive to a certain segment of the population. And I think I think it's just sometimes outright rude to always set a table and require people to show up and we don't show up. And so my most productive and impactful meetings have been on the streets of the east side of Detroit. And I think we got to get back to that somehow. Um, meeting people where they are. Because as you said, people don't have to leave their front porch to see that there is a problem with how uh, these systems are failing us. People don't got to leave home for that. They could, you know, they could stay home for that. Um, And so when we have folks who are equipped, who are not afraid of our community, who love on our community, who can go out and have conversations and garner feedback and you know, incorporate feedback into whatever it is that we're working on, be it a plan or a development, what have you, I think that's very important.
1: I think you're right. I think that dialogue is extremely important, um, but also listening. Um, I'm always fascinated to listen to people, talk about their lived experiences, and a lot of times that happens in a one on one yeah, what's going on? What are your concerns, and we need to make time for that mm-hmm. um if people don't show up for your meetings. Doesn't mean they don't care. That's right. Um, I think we need resources, and I think one of our goals for twenty twenty is to have a vehicle so that we can pick people up and bring them a really yeah. nice vehicle, so we can get pick people up and bring them to our meetings um, on a regular basis. You know we're going to about twenty out. people. I, we yeah. really have to figure out how we, we can uh, move people around our community. But one of our goals has got to be that um, we have so many social media tools, we have texting tools, we have Facebook, we have. Next door, and so making use of every single media that you can. Every medium, yes. Um, One of the reasons we started Authentically Detroit was Mm -hmm. we wanted people to be able to um, join in some important conversations or at least hear them without having to read. Um, Some people don't like to read. Everybody, uh, most of the people on the East, I think, can read, um, some better than others, but people don't necessarily enjoy reading. Mm And And who got time, you know, as people get older, Mm -hmm. their eyes get tired. Mm -hmm. You know, does my mother read anything anymore? I hope she's not listening to this, but she probably (laughs) is. But no, she doesn't really like to read anymore because her eyes are weaker than they used to be. Yeah. And it gives her a headache if she has to read too much. So um, I think that we need to be more thoughtful about how we do things. And the final thing is how do people feel when they come to your meeting and how do they feel when they leave? We have to put a lot of emphasis on trying to make sure that people walk out feeling good.
0: Yeah, you know, I I often ask the question, here's what I believe. I believe we have to find the joy in our work. And Mm -hmm. black people have been great. Um, As historically oppressed as we are, we are amazing at finding our joy. And I think that needs to translate to, you know, how we meet. I feel like I am called to lead from a place of joy abundant joy and smile and you know with you know smiling and being happy and being upbeat I know that's my calling and I try to spread joy but we have to we have to find you know our joy and everything isn't happy-go-lucky and I'm not saying we want to be superficial about this either but uh, you know people are depressed enough how uh, let's have solution-oriented conversations mm-hmm. let's have uh, strategic conversations with implementable steps that we can work together as a community to carry out. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not make the problem so sexy that we continue to just want to gaze at it and cry about it and be mad about it. Let's figure this out.
1: Yeah, let's. And I agree with you about joy. I think that we have to try to bring joy into a room. That's why I always make jokes. They may be inappropriate sometimes, but <laughs> I always make jokes. Because I think that people, when people laugh, it is, um, it's, it's medicine. And it's a way of connecting with people and to laugh at other people and to let people know that we can have this moment of laughter even as we're talking about anything. Yeah. You know? So, um, the other final thing is food. Um, Yes. We put a lot of emphasis on food. We don't believe in meat without food. We we, we are financing a number of caterers (laughs) on a regular basis because, um, you know, we want people to eat good, nutritious, healthy food. So, we don't offer pizza every meeting or. Chicken wings every meeting, not saying. pizza in a long know, time. No, that's that's what we do. And we forget, like, oops, oh, let's yeah. get some pizza. <laughs> let's get some pizza real but quick. But <laughs> normally, we try to bring something that um, will enhance people's health as well. Yeah. Um, because so many of our people are eating unhealthy all of the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to contribute to that. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: uh, this is a discussion that we would continue, you know, to have um, as time goes on. There are, you know, a lot of things that we can cover when we talk about meeting culture in the city of Detroit. One of the questions that, you know, we'll probably get to is, does our meeting culture perpetuate, you know, tenets of white supremacy? Hmm? We could talk about that soon, too. So if you have any topics that you want discussed on Authentically Detroit, you can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Authentically Detroit or email us at at authenticallydetroit at gmail.com Donna it is time for shout outs you got any shout outs
1: um, well yeah we have a number of shout outs here yeah so I'm going to shout out Kim Trent
0: hey Kim
1: <laughs> I'm going we appreciate to you. shout out Orlando and CNN this weekend mama I made it <laughs> Eric Thomas for his free editorial that was fire. It's been a couple years, Eric, and you came through since you've had anything that impactful. Um, And I want to shout out, I think this is one of yours, is um, Governor Whitmer for a press conference.
0: Yeah, Governor Whitmer. Listen, Eastside, Detroit, you are invited. Governor Whitmer is holding a press conference at our offices, Eastside Community Network, uh, located at 4401 Connor Detroit Michigan 48215 on December the 18th you are invited you can meet me and Donna as well as our board and staff uh for Governor Whitmer our governor will be there making a special announcement at our building uh the press conference begins at 8:30 a.m. 8:30 a.m. we'll see you on December 18th 8:30 a.m. at our building
1: so we um Orlando we don't know the topic yet do we
0: we don't. Mom's the word. Oh, it's yeah. gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. Also on uh, Friday the 13th, we are celebrating 10 years of Lower East Side planning and implementation, uh, funded primarily by the John, the I'm sorry, the Fred A and Barbara uh, Family or Herb Family Foundation, uh, honoring um, a number of residents who have uh, stuck it out. Uh, with us for 10 years as well as our uh, program officer Jody Rains. Uh, That's happening this Friday at Eastside Community Network uh, beginning at 530.
1: Can you believe there are 26 residents who've been with us for 10 time. years? The, the whole, whole time. time. Resident and it may be leaders. More. Well, yeah. 26 resident leaders who've yeah. helped lead the initiative inside of their neighborhoods. Yeah. And there's more than one neighborhood. I'm just so proud of that. Yeah. And, you know, Jody Raines is a remarkable woman because she doesn't just give money, but she gives her time, her energy to our work. I think she's now senior vice president of the ERP Foundation of her program. So she has, um, you know, she makes such a difference. And we really want to just the whole foundation makes a difference. They have the nicest people who work there and the most committed people to our community.
0: I completely agree. We also, once again, want to shout out uh, Rick and Yolanda Williams from Distinct Life on their uh, partnership with Puma. Brandon Hunter, new free press reporter. That's my brother. Y'all I'm so excited. We, we're making him viral on Twitter right now. He's going viral. And uh, congrats to Phil Simpson and the Smile brand and uh, Tony Hooligan and the Hooligans on uh, their Inspire Day uh, feature. Also, we want to thank... Every single donor who donated to ECN's Giving Tuesday campaign honoring our Revolt Teen Center. We raised about $3,000 for that campaign. That's the most we've ever raised on a Giving Tuesday campaign. So thank you to everyone who gave large and small. We appreciate all of it. But
1: Can we give a special thanks to Ned Stabler? Ned Stabler, shout out to you. Wow, he just went into this... Fancy account. I didn't even know he was all that. (laughs) I was like, whoa. He was like, oh. My direct giving. I was like, wow. Okay. So it was, he... Gave generously, and, um, you know, just, it was wonderful. Yeah. And all of this money, every single dollar is going to be spent on our young people. Yes. um, Whom we love. Whole new group this year, so I don't know them yet. But we love young people in our community, and we always try to love on them. In fact, what's happening right now?
0: In fact, uh, the young people are having their annual Christmas party, and uh, staff of the Eastside Community Network adopted each young person to make sure that they had... Uh, a Christmas uh, to make sure that they know that we love and support them. And so we shower them with gifts, uh, Uh, every single year, and this year was no different. So they had their annual Christmas party in Pollock, and it's happening right now along with all those poverty tax (laughs) exemptions applications. But, yeah, Uh we we love our young people. We honor them. Young people are not 100% of our population, but they are 100% of our future. I believe that. And so we have to make and continue to make intentional investments in our young folks.
1: And there you are. So wonderful. Every year we just have this wonderful group of young people who just bring their hearts and their vision and their energy and are always positive in the work that they do. Shout out to Tanya Aho. Yes. Who is our senior program manager. We have a little surprise for Tanya by the end of this year, but (laughs) she's our senior program manager who really treats these young people like family. Absolutely. And has created an extended family on the east side.
0: And lastly, I just got to shout out, you know, Miss Universe is from South Africa, y'all. Miss Tunzi. I won't uh, try to pronounce her first name because I feel like I'll butcher it. Uh, beautiful black woman from uh, South Africa uh, is Miss Universe. And she was beautiful, sporting her natural, her all of her melanin, all of her glory, all of her splendor. Uh, congrats to you, Miss Tunzi. We loved watching you take that crown. It was amazing.
1: You know, I, I I have a philosophical disagreement with pageants, right? Yeah. I'm not really into pageants. Mm-hmm. And normally, even though I'm happy that a black woman run, it's like, okay. But she's something special. She's so Because great. she is rocking her fro. She has her own style. And what she's doing is really helping to affirm the beauty of chocolate brown women. Talk she about it. She is not just black. She is a beautiful chocolate she, with beautiful. She fine, y'all. I'm yeah, she is. She, is she fine. With, with absolutely beautiful African hair. Yeah, nothing done to it. She hasn't adorned it and done anything. It is just her wearing her. It's authentically and her. It's authentically her, and there is something. That is so wonderful that she had the confidence to sport her natural hair. I know that's Because right. I looked at some old pictures and she was, you know, a little different. And then at some point she just took it off and said, this is me. Come on. And then she won. Where
0: is India? <laughs> Q India Ari. Listen, we thank you for rocking with us. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Catch the wave.